You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. Ricardo Castaneda became blind at the age of 15 and has participated in judo, wrestling, go ball, track and field, and beat baseball. He earned MVP honors at the Northwest Regional Track Competition in 2017 and was defensive MVP in beat baseball at a tournament in Chicago in 2021. He also served as a captain of the Texas School for the Blind Wrestling Team, where he qualified for regionals in 2018 and took first place in his division for three straight years in the conference tournament. Recently, Ricardo was named to the first ever USA Blind Soccer Men's National Team. So let's talk to him. So Ricardo, I thought we would just stop uh, start by talking about uh, you know who you are and how you got involved in sports and how at, at what age. Okay, so uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, my name is Ricardo Jose Castaneda. Uh, people call me Ricky. Uh, my teammates, friends, and everybody else. Um, I am 22 years old from Fort Worth, Texas. And I got involved in sports just by being a kid, you know, just uh, when I was a kid, I used to be able to see I was diagnosed at four years old with pars planitis, which is a genetic disease. Um, And then uh, I went into football, a little bit of soccer on the side with friends and stuff like that, little league football. And then after that, my vision got worse. Um, After the after a couple accidents on the on the playing field, I eventually sat down and was losing my vision, trying to get through that. And then um, I went to sports. And at the age of 12, I went to the Texas School for the Blind and Visually Impaired up in Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. I would go from uh, Monday through Friday and then come visit my family on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and leave Sunday, and then go back to school. Uh, one of my first sports uh, was wrestling. Uh, wrestling was was a, a great sport of mine. I remember me first starting, and I'm like, eh, wrestling is so dumb. Like, WWE, that's all fake, blah, blah, blah. And then when I actually, they were like, here, try it. And like, one of my uh, RIs, which is a residential instructor, was like, here, you're, you're going to go. Just try it at least. And I was like, nah, I don't want to go, but okay, whatever. So I went, and I fell in love with it. And after that, I've done goalball, track, swimming, triathlon. Judo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a little bit of Aikido, um, and now blind soccer. So, so I've been to China, everything. I was gonna say, needless to say, you you've you've uh, dipped your toes in every, just about every sport, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been hungry ever since uh ever since I went blind, like for sport, you know. So, just yeah. to have that ability. Yeah, and you mentioned par. So for. For folks that may not be familiar with that, um, how does it impact you? And is it is it like a is it gradual uh, loss of sight, um, uh, or is it at some point in time an immediate? Or what kind of what, kind of tell me a little bit about a little bit more about that? So growing up, I mean, my mom is is also blind. She's fully blind. Went fully blind at the age of twenty two, um, but she was never diagnosed by doctors until she got over here to the United States at the age of like maybe 15, 14 years old. Mm. Uh, they gave her a little bit of her vision back after she came this way. And then she lost it after, after, uh, 
birth, given birth to me and my sisters. Mm. Um, so my mom has been a big supporter and I've always said, oh man, it's not that great living with a blind parent or blah, blah, blah when I was a kid. But now I'm very appreciative of my mother because she's, she's been like my lifeline to something that I, I don't understand at all, you know? So, um, <clears throat> me and my mom have it. Now my little sister has it. Uh, I have two sisters and a 19 year old and a 12 year old now. Mm. Um, so usually what happens in, uh, in our genetic disease, now that we know it's a genetic disease, uh, it starts out slowly. It's, uh, inflammation in the retina, mm, okay. uh, which is just like a bunch of flashes and floaters. If you imagine clouds uh, in your eyeballs and mm -hmm. just covering up certain parts of your vision, depending on where the inflammation is and where it grows, <clears throat> you can have them in different places, like the side of your eye, the middle of your eye. Um, you might, it might just look like a fly going by. And that's how it started for me. Uh, just a fly, just a little fly going by like an earth or like a rocket just flying by. And I'll try to catch it and I'll try to follow it and all this and that. And, uh, after that, it starts to, uh, surgery start to, I guess, catch up to, you, uh, with anything in the human body. Mm -hmm. Um, you mess with anything in the human body. It's very sensitive and it's very, every time you cut something or scrape something, it's, it's it takes longer to heal. So that's what happened, started happening to my retina. It was described to me by one of my my good doctors is if you grab a basketball and you keep scraping it with a, with a rake, what's going to happen to the ball. It's going to keep, it's going to keep having like wrinkles in it. And so that's how my retina was. They were trying to unwrinkle it because there was so much inflammation. So they were trying to take it all off where I can see. So eventually I, uh, became fully blind from glaucoma. Also developed glaucoma after that, uh, after a surgery, I didn't know I was, half blind i thought i was fully blind i think just from like going from a big jump of a loss of vision uh just my brain was confused i believe and uh, eventually got unscrambled after a month or two or cleared out whatever my body needed to do and uh went along with my uh normal life uh, a little bit changed i started using cctvs which is a big uh basically computer that, uh, minifying, uh, print and books and certain stuff like that for people that can barely see. So I would start using those in the classroom. My friends would ask me, why is Ricky using a big old dinosaur computer, this and that. And, uh, it was hard to explain, um, difficult time, but got through it. And, uh, after that, that was like 11 years old. And on, and then I went to the tech school for the blind at the 20, 2012. Uh, I started doing sports again. I started doing all this. I got warned by my doctors that I had retina detachments and that was a big possibility that my retinas would detach and possibly lose all my vision. Um, I didn't really care as a kid. Um, uh, my mom was like, what do you want to do? And so I was like, I want to, I want to do sports. I want to, I want to wrestle. I want to do judo. I want to play goalball. I want to do everything else everybody else is doing. So she was like, okay, well, we're done with this then. It's just your decision. So at the age of 14, I got to do that. And I went uh, fully blind one day at the age of 15. Uh, from retina detachments, I woke up uh, from, I don't remember really the previous day, but 
I remember waking up and the lights were censored. So every time you moved, the lights would just turn on. So I woke up and I saw it looked like if you grab a sandwich bag and look through it. And that's how it looked through, uh, through my eyes, at least. It looked so blurry. Um, I remember bending down to grab my cane and my bag and it was next to my dresser hitting myself on that. And I was like, well, maybe it's just a bad vision day, you know, maybe it's just like a, a day that I don't, that I can't see. So I would bring out my cane. I would soon hit a couple more walls that I couldn't see a couple more corners, a couple more desks and stuff. And so called up my mom and I was like, Hey, I might need a doctor's appointment for my eye doctor. That Friday, um, I went to the eye doctor. And uh, he told me that the next day would be emergency surgery because I had retina attachments. And then after Saturday, uh, healed up. He called me back on Monday. And by Monday, I was fully blind. Hmm. Yeah. So, so, you had, so you had time to prepare, obviously, since it was uh, degenerative over time, too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had I had great, like my own M teacher, Emily Jackson, one of the, I believe, one of the best out there. Uh, she really helped me. I remember she giving me a blindfold every single time we would go out to uh, O&M's uh, orientation and mobility. So it's like how to how to use your cane successfully to travel around by yourself in the world. Um, so she would blindfold me all the time, even when I could see. It was it was terrible. I hated it. I hated going to that <laughs> right. class. I would try to skip it all the time. And she was, she was, she was, a uh, she was instant, like instant on me. Like she was just a great teacher and she knew what was going to happen in the future possibly. And she was so, persistent, too, persistent too, right? <laughs> oh yeah. Persistent. Very persistent for sure. Yeah. Um, and, but, and before you, before you um, transition to the Texas school for the blind, it, I mean, because you did use you know, the the big computer device, and uh, and and because you had uh, you know you were losing eyesight, were you were you bullied or made fun of as a you know because basically because you were quote unquote different? Yeah, I mean, there's there's always the possibility of kids being kids. You know, like as a kid, you don't really understand what's going on. You don't understand that you're you're different. You don't understand that you're that you might need a little bit more help than others um, in certain times to figure things out while, while you're trying to figure things out at the time. So yeah, of course kids are going to be kids and they're going to be like, well, why is he getting more attention or why is he doing this or that, this and that. Um, but I mostly got along with my, with my classmates. I tried to get along with everybody and uh, wasn't really bullied. I was bullied uh, when I, when I was in public school a little bit uh, just by one or two people, but, I, I had close friends also. So making making friends and being social, being being open to to the possibility of questions as a as a child in that in that instance, I think it's very beneficial for social interactions with other children. Um, and also you they start understanding like what's happening and what's going on. So that's that's yeah. my belief. And it's just about education. Uh, it's just about educating anybody, right? So it's correct, uh, yeah. And and if you're aware, and if you're educated, then you're and, and you're more informed. Then then it's you're enlightened as well. And uh, so yeah, it's all about education and, and awareness. Yep. And uh, obviously, because you were so active in a lot of sports, what do you think it was about sports that you know kind of 
that you just kind of, uh, you know, uh, connected with? So when I, my, my family is very protective. I think any, anybody's family is very protective over, over a, a child that has, that needs a little bit more help or they believe needs a little bit more help, you know, mm-hmm. and they're afraid for that child. Cause they're like, well, I, I've never been in his place. Um, I've talked to my parents and my, and my uncles and everybody in my family about like, Hey, why do y'all, why do y'all protect me so much? Like, why do y'all, why do y'all grab me when, when y'all know I can walk? And they're like, well, we just don't want you to get hurt. It hurts us even more, you know? And it makes sense. Like even your child, you don't want him to do bad. You don't want him to fall. You don't want him to do anything to hurt himself, to hurt themselves. And so as a, as a child that you don't understand what he's going through, it's a little bit more difficult. So when I was a child, I would go through all these sports and my family knew what I was going through um, because of my mother. She was fully blind also. And I would see, I would guide around my mother um, around to like doctor's appointments and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. So um, I didn't, I obviously didn't know what she was going through at the same time. And she didn't know what I was going through because she's never been as a kid with a little bit of vision as I was, right? So my mom was always scared of me falling or me breaking my fingers or me breaking a bone because I would go out on my bike and I would jump ramps. I would do this and do that. And eventually I got to the point where I would trip over uh, roots, like little roots in in the ground, maybe a little step. Like if there was a a brick in the ground, like a brick path, and the brick was up a little bit, I would trip on it because I didn't see the little lip. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was scared of me just tripping and falling. And eventually it became, eventually there was an accident. Um, I went with my cousin because I was trying to try soccer. And I kind of knew that I couldn't see the ball because I kind of quit uh, football because of that. Mm-hmm. I was a running back and then they wanted to be quarterback too. So I couldn't see to throw the ball. The ball was too fast in the air. Um, so it looked like a blur in the in the sky to me. Um, so with that in mind, I would go to soccer and I would kick the soccer ball around and it would look like a little blur just going by on the floor. And so one day me and my cousin are, are playing before the game and he's about to have a game. And so we're like, hey, let's let's race out. And so we're racing and we, we go, I see the door in front of us and I think it's a double door. And I think there's a door on the left and there's a door on the right. So I'm like, I'm gonna take the right door. Cause he'll, he'll, he'll go through that door whatever. And boom, I hit the, I hit the wall and there's no door there. And so my aunt grabs me and there's like all these people around. I remember there was like five people just worrying about me right next to the door and probably even stopped the game. And I was fine, honestly. I was just worried about them. I was like, well, what do they see that I don't see? And what what are they thinking? And so uh, at that point, my uh, parents kind of sat me down in my aunt and was like, hey, you need to, you might need to not do these things anymore. And then from then on, it kind of became more of a protection, you know, because mm-hmm. um, they saw that accident. If I could see, maybe that accident wouldn't have happened in their mind, right? So when I got into sport, um, I kind of went at it and like, like I was hungry. I was hungry for, for the, for the competition. I was hungry for the working out. I've never had soreness in my life. I remember doing a hundred pushups in my grandmother's room 
And then the next day I went to the hospital because I didn't know what was going on with my chest because it hurt so bad. And I was like, oh, God, I don't know what's going on. And you overdid so, it. Yeah, I overdid it. And I was like 12 years old or something like that. And uh, But that was the first time I ever got sore. And now I look back at it. And I'm like, man, those were amazing times, amazing opportunities. And look, look what I'm doing now, blind soccer. So it's, it's pretty cool. And so it's, uh, it's been a journey for sure. So besides the, just the opportunity to, to be able to compete, it looks like it sounds like it's just something that's just in you in terms of just wanting to wanting to expend energy and and uh, and always be active and and sounds like sounds like that's just part of part of who you are. Oh yeah, I love it. It's uh, I've done regionals, district for like wrestling, judo, nationals, and stuff like that, and I've tried. I've tried so many things that they're all exciting to me. Like I've done blind tennis, blind dodgeball. I've me and my friends have like even tried blind football, trying to make it. And mm. it's just been, it's an, it's an awesome experience just to find all these other athletes and wanting something like you, like just wanting to, to play these games that everybody else is playing. And and there has been quite an evolution in in blind sports. I mean, as you as you mentioned, and and blind soccer is is relatively new as well, particularly on a on a larger scale. So, how did you? Obviously, you played soccer as a kid, as you said. But how did you find this sport, and and how is it progressing? So, I believe in 2017, uh, Kevin Broussard, a famous judo master, I, I call him. Uh, we knew each other from judo and he called me and he was like, Hey, do you want to go to this ID camp for, for blind athletes just to find the new judo, the new swimmer, blind swimmer, the new, the new, the new, new, new athletes basically for blind, blind athletes. Mm-hmm. So I was like, yeah, I'm definitely down. So it was all these athletes. It was about 15 of us. And, uh, I remember going to judo, I got hurt. And I was like, maybe judo's not for me because it was the first time I've ever gotten hurt in sport. Like, mm. ever got afraid for for my bones or just for just for my health, you know. So uh, I started thinking, and then he was like, "Hey, do you want to come out for a blind soccer camp? We, we have blind soccer now, and we're looking for people, and you look pretty fit to try it out. It's going to be a new thing, so don't expect anything, but just come and try it out." And I was like, "Okay, well, what does it sound like?" And he was like, well, we fly you out to Baltimore. We give you room and board at at a, at the uh, Maryland School for the Deaf and Blind. And I was like, I'm in no matter what. You're already flying me out and everything. Okay, I'm in. And I was already doing beatball and still was doing judo and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. um, I went. I remember it was a, uh, a guy from Germany. And... Uh, he had like an accent. There was another guy, Phil, one of our head, our, our co-coaches now. And uh, no, Phil wasn't there. It was like a whole different, whole different group. And uh, just remember like one, one or two more people from like the team that we have now and the national team uh, being there. And so I got in. I was 17 years old. They came up to me and they were like, hey, do you have a passport? And I was like, I can get one easy. And they were like, well get it ready because we're planning to make a national youth team for blind soccer. Mm. I was like, Oh, I'm definitely in. And then, so they were talking about that. Nothing really happened. And I got a ball from Kevin. I remember me and my best friend, he went to, um, he's here in Texas also. And 
we were asking for a ball. We were like, hey, can we have a ball? Like, like we're really interested and we're, we, we want a ball. Huh? Like, can we buy one off you? And he gave us a ball. He was like, <laughs> he's just like, shh, don't tell nobody. Just, just, just take the ball. And so I still have that ball to this day. It's all ripped up and everything. And uh, I use it just, just on concrete because concrete's really bad for the balls. But it's really good for ball control. Um, and so, I mean, ever since then, like, I've been practicing for, uh, what is it now? Five, six years now. Yeah. And so been waiting for national team, been waiting for the national team. You hear about it, you hear about it, you hear about it. And you're like, okay, I just got to keep practicing, keep practicing, keep practicing. And then finally it's here. And it's just like, whoa, now it's here. And now I'm on the national team, USA. And now it's a, now it's, it's all, it's all reality now. So all that, all the, all those six, five years of just dribbling and doing crazy stuff that I didn't even know what I was doing. I still don't kind of know what I'm doing. So. <laughs> It's such a new sport, like you said, it's such a new thing that anybody can do it. You just have to go out there and just play with the ball. So, how, Ricky, how long have you been on the national team now? When was it named? The national team was named last camp, which was March, which is in March. Uh, I believe the national team was officially uh, announced in March 1st. Um, and, yeah. It's uh, it's been a good time. We've had uh, two international friendlies, or yeah. with one with Canada, uh, this past uh, I believe month, and uh, it was a great time. First game we won zero to one. Second game we won three zero. Um, it's on YouTube, uh, USA versus Canada blind soccer. Uh, it's a great game. I I recommend everybody to check it out and uh, to see what's what's in the future for USA. And and so obviously uh, there's a national team, but how how are you going to be able to? Is, is there like any uh, club team as well? I mean, how can you continue to be able to play this sport like more at a local level for for yourself, or is it really just focused on the national team at this point? Uh, right now, the national team is definitely is definitely made, and we're working on that. But we're also working on local teams. I know there's. Plenty of people such as myself, I'm a USAB ambassador uh, with others. Uh, I believe there's like six of us and we're all around the country, USA, uh, Virginia, California, Texas, and uh, Ohio. We got national team players everywhere. We're all willing to start local camps. We got local local teams, sorry. We got local teams in New York. I believe we have one in Utah and california we have one in or almost three in texas now mm. um and yeah we're we're, we're growing uh, it's out there you just got to reach out to to any of us we're all willing to to help and help get blind soccer get you a ball i think that's the most important part um getting people a ball and getting them used to the ball you know because it's it's heavier it's uh we dribble different there's different rules um, such as boy when you're attacking somebody. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a special rule in, in our sport. So we're blind, right? So we all wear blindfolds. We all wear headgear because concussions are a real thing. There's, it's a very physical sport. Um, so you have to say, boy, if I have the ball and you're coming to defend me, right? I'm coming to your offensive, your offensive field and I'm about to attack your goal to shoot. So you're going to block me, right? So about 10 meters, about 
three meters to 10 feet out, you have to say voy. And voy is the international word for, I'm coming to attack you. Um, and you have to say voy anytime the ball is near you. Anytime the ball is near you. And I personally recommend to say voy anytime you're running or moving. Because then that just gives you a sound source to other people for you. Right. You can't just have a unnecessary collision with other people that are running because you remember we're all we're all running sprinting right so, um, so it's a lot of communication a lot of communication to prevent injury and, and and collisions as you said um other than obviously those types of modifications is it is it you know for those that are listening is it pretty much the same sport that people would know as soccer though yes it's pretty much the same sport um other than we say voy and it's uh futsal rules uh, five aside, five aside soccer. Mm-hmm. Um, just with some rules modified, such as like the goalie can see. There's a guide behind the goal. There's a guide for the midfield, and your goalie's not allowed to step out of his goalie box. Mm. Okay. Uh, his goalie box in front of him is about six by. It's about six by seven, six by six by fourteen. Sorry. Um. And he can't step out of there, you know? And if you enter there, uh, I believe that's a penalty. Mm. So, I mean, there's there's certain rules like that. Our goalie can see uh, 20-20, so he, he doesn't wear a blindfold or anything. Some people might say that it's way harder or it's way easier for the goalie to, to block the ball from a blind player. But in my experience and my, like, talking to other goalies and them experiencing it right after, it's nothing like it. Our, our dribbling is way different. Our dribbling, if you think about putting something between your feet and like grabbing the ball with both of your ankles and then just jumping forward, basically like that. Hmm. But we're dribbling. So it's going left and right, left and right, left and right. Um, so it's in between our feet. It's right under us. And every time we shoot, it's it's just the twitch of our twitch of our ankle. So it's too fast for the goalie to to react to. The body movements are not the same. The there's no eye, there's no eye coordination because we're all blindfolded, so they can't see our eyes, and we don't need to use our our eyes to to see. We just use our ears, so mm-hmm. we don't really have to move in a certain way to capture that shot where we want it. We just already know because we're already in space. So yeah. uh, almost intu- some, intuition, right? Yeah, intuition, correct. Uh, but it's just all all in our minds, you know. It's all it's all mapped out, at least for me in in my mind. It's all mapped out. Does the does the national team have some other friendly competitions or any other competitions coming up in the next couple months? Oh yeah, uh, there's one coming up in July. Uh, we train for a whole week, and then we have our national competition at the end. We don't know yet who it's going to be, but be looking mm-hmm. out on USABA Blind Soccer and USABA. Uh, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, you can find also Metro Blaze, and we post everything about blind soccer. Yeah, and for those that don't know, USABA is United States Association of Blind Athletes, so I want to make sure that I give a plug out to them, too. <laughs> yes, sir. It's an amazing organization, and I've been uh, very grateful to work with them. And it's been it's been awesome. Their, their mission is just to spread blind sports and just just sport and physical activity. So obviously the goal is to spread the sport of blind soccer across the country. 
Um, what is the uh, hope or or dream or plan for blind soccer internationally? Oh man. Well, the hope for the players and the hope for all the coaches is to get paid for this, to, to go out to represent USA in a, in a national, national competition in the Paralympics for 2028, which we get a, a automatic bid for USA blind soccer. So we automatically go in with a national team uh, because we're host. So we're working up towards that. First, we got a lot of battles get to get to. We got to get to Spain. We got to get to Brazil. We got to get to Argentina. But before we get to there, we have to go through all the all the smaller ones too, such as like Korea and Asia, Asian countries. Uh, there's there's a lot of countries out there. There's just like 64 teams, and they're building still. They're all national teams. 64 countries. So so it's a lot to go through. You know. Yeah. And, you know, that's, I mean, the Paralympics, when it returns to LA in 2028, you know, that's, that's just five years away. And it seems like a long time, but it really isn't. So no. it's really, really exciting that, you know, there's a good chance uh, that people will be able to, you know, watch not only the, our own home team, our national team in the U.S. host the games, but play this sport for the first time at a Paralympic level. Oh, yeah. And there's, Brazil has already won all five, I believe, Paralympic champions since 2004. Um, so right now they, they we have a long way to go. You know, five years sounds like a long time, but the five years will go in a, in a heartbeat. <laughs> and besides blind soccer, what else kind of occupies your time? What else are you up to and what else are you doing? Uh, I studied kinesiology uh, at TCC Northwest. Uh, I plan to finish uh, and transfer next year. And I'm a USABA ambassador, which is a fun time. I go to Oregon uh, this week on Friday, fly out, and that's going to be a fun time teaching a whole bunch of kids about blind soccer and having to uh, one scrimmage out there. Awesome. So check them out, and we'll be on uh, USABA. We'll be posting all about it. And what are you hoping to do with your degree once you get it? Ah, that's a hard one because it, it, you know, everybody's always told me like, it's going to change after you get to college. It's probably going to change like five times, blah, blah, blah. And it's changed like probably twice already. So at first I wanted to be a physical therapist, then PTA, now athletic trainer. Hmm. So I really don't know. I mean, eventually I'm going to get to all of them, but I don't know which one I'm going to start with, you know, athletic well, trainer, PTA, I'm not sure obviously they're all having to do with helping other athletes and helping other people. So, yeah. you know, even though, even though you may not know exactly what you're doing and when and where and how it sounds like you at least know that the, the general uh, focus of what you want to be about and that's helping other athletes, huh? Oh yeah. I love it. I mean, especially as an ambassador, I went to California and I remember seeing like a son and father playing for the first time. And it was like, it just touched my heart in a different way that's I've never, never been touched before. It was a crazy experience. And I was like, I love this. I love sports and I love, I love helping people. 